You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. East Final? <laughs> but the East Final, I mean, that's, that's like me fighting with my little sister right now, a West <laughs> team against the East, right? Like, it's, it's embarrassing how bad the East has looked this year. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John Fraser. I'm actually part Canadian, no do to boot it. Who wants to draft me? Love me a rouge. And Travis Curra. Man, if they go with Sanceri over Brett Smith, then nothing has changed in Saskatchewan. We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Uh, what do you call? You're supposed to do the thing where you talk and you pretend like you're like in- interested in the thing, but you just the need interview. the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the inner blue. Can't forget the nonsense. I thought you should know I ate two carrot muffins as you were drunk, Jim Barker. Ready, set, hut. Trying to remember a time when I was so passionate about Tino Sanceri and Brett Smith. Man, those were dark days in Rider Nation and... They're not any better today, if I'm being honest. Travis Curra, Brazilian tie, episode 73 of the Two and Out CFL podcast, proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And Brazilian tie, I think I found my dream job. Is it critiquing carrot muffins again? Well, that would be a damn awesome job. You want to talk about dark times, muffins with fruit or vegetables in it. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> screw what I had prepared. Is there anything worse than when you think it's a chocolate chip muffin and or cookie and it's a raisin? Oatmeal raisin cookies are the reason I have trust issues. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh, who, who's the sick bastard that made them look exactly the same in cellophane wrapping? <laughs> oh, it's It'll ruin your day. Time for the news. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. I really have to edit that damn thing, but whatever. Let's start uh, by saying Canadian football 2017 is out on Xbox One and PC. So I guess if you got Steam, download it through there. Uh, download it. Support a good old Canadian company in Canuck Play. They're in Peterborough, Ontario, Brazilian tie. I understand you're downloading the game right now. As we speak, the 21 bucks. Uh, try it out. I don't know if I'm going to need it. Buy a controller or what, but uh, give her the old college try and see how she plays. Now, uh, it's not licensed. Uh, the CFL didn't get behind it for whatever reason. I, I don't know if they're going to tell us ever what the reason is. I know they've partnered up with EA. They have the unlockable CFL half-ass players in the mobile game. But uh, this one, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a homegrown game. And I guess the rosters, the uniforms are all open source on PC. So somebody far smarter than me will be able to edit them and make, you know what, (laughs) real rosters out of them. That's the way I understand it. And I'll download the game. And if you do that, tell me so I can download your rosters and do it up that way. (laughs) But Brazilian Thai, give it a test run this week. Let us know how it plays next week. Because I'm sure you will be co-hosting next week as well, right? Uh, uh, If you make another phone call, and I have to for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, look, it's looking more and more like it. <laughs> I hope people like he was a full-time guy. They haven't told me they haven't. So uh, I don't know. Is that good or bad? No I'm not news sure. is good news. Okay, okay. I agree. Jerron <laughs> Carter crosses the center line Saturday night against the Calgary Stampeders. Gets the attention of Josh Bell. There's a little bit of a kerfuffle. Duran ends up getting fined. <laughs> Two catches for, what, 12 yards against the Stampeders? I don't know if he really backed up his trash talk Saturday night. If you're going to do something as stupid like that, he hasn't been able to back up his mouth the entire season. He's been a bum from the word go, and it's been infuriating watching Ryder games. But there's no excuse for this. He knew what he was doing. I don't know if he was trying to get Josh Bell suspended or fined or maybe thrown out of that game early, but if you're going to do something like that and not back it up, it just costs your team more than anything. The Stampeders are not a team that you want to anger. No, don't don't poke the bear. That just seems stupid to me. Just try to fly under the radar and hope that they forget that they have a game and that it's like a scrimmage. And then <laughs> I think I think Saskatchewan forgot they had a game. <laughs> yes, especially in the first half, man. We will talk about that game. Oh. Yeah, it it was sad. Uh, touching an official is seemingly becoming a bigger issue in the CFL week by week. Gary Peters of the Edmonton Eskimos, he was basically walking one way and an official was in his way, so he shoved him out of the way, gets suspended (laughs) for one game, and I don't think I've seen one person that disagrees with this suspension at all. I don't think you can disagree with it. I don't think there's a basis for disagreeing with it. We saw it two weeks ago with Will Hill. You got suspended for the game and thrown out. This was a little more aggressive, but still, you make contact with the official. It's It's been collectively bargained. It's a one-game suspension for contact with an official if it's deemed uh, unavoidable or not an accident. And everybody's saying, well, he can he can appeal it. And like, well, what's the point? He's going to get suspended anyway. They look at what Deron Curry did last year, and he played for another six weeks while his appeal was ongoing. But I don't see them appealing it. I don't see the point in it. You're going to get suspended. And Ambrosi's had quite the uh, start to his tenure as CFL commissioner. Oh, yeah. They've been keeping him busy. <laughs> Good for him. Well, he didn't have very big shoes to fill, so it looks maybe we just notice it more now. Oh, so you know Orridge's shoe size now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it was shoe size. I'm just saying maybe he didn't do a lot of walking in them. <laughs> Staying with the Eskimos, they sign Hugh O'Neill. But I ask you, what's the point of signing Hugh O'Neill if he doesn't have a beard anymore? Well, I don't have a beard. Wow. And I haven't signed signed you. I haven't signed you (laughs) full-time. Oh, I guess I'm going to have to talk to the Eskimo Empire guys then, I guess, again. Uh, Well, grow a beard and we'll talk. Uh, I'm working. I'm trying. I'm on like three weeks, and if the cat licks my face, it might come off. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if he's going to see any in-game action, but Sean White has been kicking nonstop kickoffs, punts, field goals, practice, and Mm -hmm. in-game. So uh, give his leg a little bit of a rest. Also, in Hamilton, Dominique Ellis, the quarterback, is back 
with the Tiger Cats. So we'll see if that's just an insurance policy. I, I can't see them moving away from Zach Caleros because the issues in Hamilton run far deeper than the quarterback position there. I know it's the most important position, but the issues there run way deeper. I guess we should talk about injuries because this time of the year, I guess we're still over a month away from Labor Day, but injuries happen every single year, and now depth of teams are really getting tested. Abdul Kane for the Tiger Cats was practicing on Tuesday. They really needed him from the get-go, but not practicing yesterday. So we'll see if he ends up suiting up against Calgary this weekend. Uh, in Toronto, Brandon Whitaker ends up on the six-game injured list. Uh, James Wilder has been their starting running back, but that team, they don't run the ball at all. No, their running back is a is a receiver that just doesn't line up on the line of scrimmage. Ricky Ray threw 55 times. <laughs> like, Monday night at the age at the age of eighty. Yeah, they're going to wear out that old arm. I think. Oh boy! I, I guess it's official. Adarius Bowman on the six-game injured list in Edmonton, and uh, coming up, I guess tonight, Montreal and Winnipeg. The Al still without Tyrell Sutton, still the league's leading rusher. So Brandon Rutley starts there, and no Tyquan Underwood, who has seemed to kind of. Uh, Gained some chemistry with Darian Durant, I thought. They've had some really good plays uh, that they've made together, but he's not playing tonight. Eugene Lewis will make his debut for the Alouettes, as in BC. The Manny Show, spotted with a brace. He's expected to play, and he has practice like limited this week, but uh, he's probably going to be slowed down. Now, this is big. Chris Williams has had his first practices uh, for BC, and it looks like he's on track to debut August 5th against Saskatchewan. I bet the Riders are happy to hear that one. <laughs> oh, you're probably just ecstatic. Well, by that time, Chris Jones will be fired. Okay, honestly... <laughs> If the Riders don't have another win by then, will Jones be fired? I don't. I can't see it. He, he has too many titles. It's the same thing with Kent Austin and Hamilton with all those titles. Yep. You have job security because they're not going to hire four more guys to the job that you're already doing. But if this year keeps going like it is and it looks like last year, I don't know how they bring him back. Well, and it's funny because in Hamilton, while Eric Tillman is the GM – Austin is the nothing. president of football operations, so he's his boss still. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like I said it before, I am my own grandpa. You watch yeah. that song, it makes sense. I think that's what's <laughs> happening in the hammer. One way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> As for the Bombers, Mo Leggett looks like he's going to miss tonight's game. And then the Argos, their defense took some big hits against mm -hmm. Ottawa on Monday. Cleon Lang is out. Victor Butler, the league's leading sack getter, is out. And Bear Woods banged up as well. He's downplayed the severity of the injury, but you have to think the Riders have to be foaming at the mouth this Saturday against a banged-up Argos team that's not on much rest. You would, you would think so, but at the same time, uh, if Ricky Ray keeps playing like this, I'd I think they can outscore the Riders, no problem. Um, so the Riders' defense will still have to show up in that. But 
I mean, losing those three guys in your defense, that's pretty huge. And still being able to win the football game against Ottawa on Monday night, that's a pretty big character win for the Argos. Let's talk about last week's games. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. We already talked about uh, Montreal and Ottawa last week. So we go to Thursday, Edmonton and Hamilton. The Tiger Cats, man! They, they they had a nice, what, 12-point lead on the Eskimos at one point. But Mike Riley becomes Mike Riley. He does Mike Riley things right at the end of the game. 75 yards, 45 seconds. He gets 350 total yards, three touchdowns total. And the Tiger Cats become the the quarterback whispers, their defense anyway, like, Man, they're they are letting some quarterbacks put up some nice stats. Swiss cheese defense. I like that. It's, the Texas Gate defense. Couple yeah, couple of names I, for it. I I don't know what the answer is there. Uh it looks bad on Ken Austin for the way that they have performed this season so far anyways, but to be honest with you, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta but, yeah, think like, that team misses Orlando Steinauer. As their defensive coordinator, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Ryan Bold, I love the guy. He's so awesome on Twitter. Like, watch the caps lock, man. But <laughs> well, have you seen him on the sidelines? He talks in caps locks anyway. <laughs> he does. He does. I'm pretty sure he tweets exactly <laughs> like he talks. Oh. <laughs> I, I think we need to talk about Brandon Zilstra, who puts up another 100 yard gain. Uh, 113 yards, and he had to have more attention on him because a Darius Bowman on the six-game injured list. But this guy has become one of the most consistent players in this Canadian Football League. He he is having an unreal start to this year. Uh, we we saw it against Ottawa. He played another really solid game. Uh, he keeps keeps racking up yards and catches and touchdowns and keeping drives alive for his team and just making plays when plays need to be made and he's become somewhat of a safety valve for Mike Riley and with him making those plays it gives it gives the defense or makes the defense pay more attention to him and opens up other avenues which we saw with the Corey Watson touchdown there near the end of the game uh, but yeah it's been a really solid start and again that uh, that receiver depth for the Eskimos just keeps showing through week in week out yeah it like Last year, if you would have told me that they're going to have no Darrell Walker and no Adarius Bowman and they're going to win, I, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But, yeah, Walker's in the NFL, Bowman's on the sixth game, and in comes Brandon Zilstra for 113 yards, and Bryant Mitchell, uh, five catches, 76 yards, and a score. The, the depth at receiver in Edmonton is Really incredible. Zilstra, Mitchell, Duke Williams, and Corey Watson had a great game as well. They, Adele Hazleton. Yeah, exactly. And he's really coming into his own in Edmonton. It's become the next guy up mentality, just like in Calgary. And uh, those two Alberta teams, model franchises in this league still, I think. Well, not only the the next man up for the offense, but the the injuries that they've had on the defensive side of the ball as well, like linebacker, have yeah. the list have the list of injuries that this team has, and to be four and zero, you would look at it and be there's no chance. 
And yet, week in, week out, they find a way to win games. Uh, it's like the Eskimo Empire guys talk about it the Eskimo way. Next man up, you got to be ready to go. And every time they put somebody new in the lineup, they're ready to go. They know what they're doing. They make plays. They win football games. And they're looking like a team bound for the Great Cup this year in Ottawa. As for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they have no receiver over 60 yards. I mean, you talk about a team that's hurt at receiver, and I think they look completely different if they have Terrence Tolliver and if they have uh, Andy Fantuz healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Fantuz, he's not the fastest guy, but he's sure hands. He's a good route runner, and he would definitely help uh, if he was in the lineup. But, man, I know Luke Tasker's a hell of a receiver, but he just... <laughs> <laughs> they can just focus on Tasker and they let the other guys. Uh, I know Jasper Collins has been there for a while, but those other guys, they really <laughs> have to step up for the Tiger Cats. And, man, I have to say, this game, probably the hardest-hitting game we've seen all season. Oh. Riley got smashed by Coleman a few times. Tasker got smashed. I have to say, Arjun Colhoun for the Eskimos brought the pain, and this was a fun game to watch. Well, and even the injuries that Edmonton suffered on their old line late there in that second half, and Laurent was able to get his sack. Yeah. Um, but still, again, that that next man up mentality, even for the old line, like it's been ridiculous there. We have a tie cap, but they just can't get anything going. Um, even Brandon Banks, they wanted to try to make receiver get him more touches, and they don't throw him the ball. I don't know if he's not getting open enough or if he's not running his right routes, but one target, that's for a guy with his speed. He doesn't need to catch a deep ball. He just run a crossing route, get the ball in his hands, and they're not doing it, which could complement the run game if they would do that, and maybe we would see the tie cast receivers get more yards if there was more respect for the run, but teams know they're not going to run the ball, much like the Argos, and it doesn't matter who you have at receiver right now for the tie guys, it just seems like they're just getting no respect because they teams can blitz and not worry about it or not necessarily blitz, but put pressure on the quarterback and know that he's throwing and have enough guys back in coverage where the, the pass game can get shut down. When will they win? They're in Calgary this week. They're in Edmonton next week. <laughs> Are they going to win either of those games? Oh, boy. I highly doubt it. I feel like a surprise is coming, but you, you won't be able to predict it. I think that either their next game against Montreal, but Montreal's defense has been lights out this year. Uh, Ottawa, maybe. They're going to be Ottawa's home to the Bombers game. on August 12th. That's doable, right? Yeah. To a point, depends <laughs> on which Bombers defense shows up. Poor Tiger Cats, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we have to wait for it to happen, and then we can say, okay, now it's over. Like, I don't yeah. think anybody's going to be able to call the week that it happens. It's, right now it's such a tailspin that it's, it's almost – I almost want them to go 0-18 just to watch the dumpster fire. <laughs> that is Hamilton. But let's talk about Friday night football. BC beats Winnipeg 45-42. This is the most CFL game I have seen in a long time. BC was down 15 at the start of the fourth quarter, but what didn't this game have? It had everything. No kidding. Um, it was ridiculous, and I had to watch it the next day 
uh, it was getting a little late for this old man. So Winnipeg up by 15. I'm like, oh, my pick'em's done. My bet is over. I'm going to sleep. And I wake up and check my app. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I had the Bombers. I was like, yeah, I called that one. Nope. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I watched the end. And I, from the sleeper play to the fake field goal to just 15, or sorry, 18 unanswered points in the fourth quarter from BC. They're the highest scoring team in the fourth quarter in CFL this year. Um, this, this game, yeah, like you said, does not get any more CFL in this game. All we needed was the end of the game to be punt back after punt after punt after punt. After punt. <laughs> There's so much to talk about in this one. So the Bombers are second in points per game, but eighth in net offensive yards per game. So (laughs) the special teams and the the turnovers this year are still kind of keeping them competitive. And that fake field goal, the the quote-unquote sleeper play, O'Shea is a special teams master. And... It's basically a loophole. a loophole in the rule. Yeah, it, it, you can't take it back. Apparently, he approached the refs and, and called the yep. league before the game, and they said, yep, it's legal. They pulled it off. It was a great play, but that punt, that fake punt from Medlock, there's eight minutes left. The Bombers are up by eight, and they're on their own 30, and they go for a fake punt that was, what, third and 15? Uh uh, here's what I assume happens is that Medlock is told, hey, if you see uh, BC set up this way, you can call yourself a, a fake punt. And I know that Mike O'Shea has taken all the blame. This is my call. Everything that happens on the field is my call. But the intended receiver on the play looked like he had no idea it was happening. I don't care what BC sets up, and you're up by eight points at that point. Take care of the football. Try to flip field position. Let your let your special teams cover team make a play. Get your defense out there. Your defense has been pretty solid, even though BC's offense has been dominant in the second half football game. But by doing this, you're just you're not getting yourself a chance to win. You're giving BC a short field, but you're basically guaranteeing BC another three points there if this play doesn't work, and it didn't. Um, but. Don't get me wrong, a fake punt. It's funny because if it works, it, it's genius. If, if it works, it's genius, right? That's the thing. I say it's twenty twenty. If it works, holy crap, Michael Shea, genius, Medlock, what a play, what a call. Yeah. It doesn't work. Now we're sitting here like, well, you had a chance to win the game if you could have flipped field, field position a bit, and you didn't take it. So now you're looking at it a totally different way. Uh, but it would have been, if they would have pulled it off, uh, I would definitely think the game would have taken a totally different turn. I don't know if BC would have been more deflated or deflated by that or not, but I just I wouldn't have made that call. I, but you know me, I'm all about playing it safe. So. But <laughs> that's the most it's, dangerous it can get. <laughs> and, I mean, I yeah. guess that's what special teams is all about. You have one shot <laughs> because it's yeah. third down, you know. if If you don't get it. You're screwed. So <laughs> you better it's be like batting a thousand. On, it's like teams kicking in overtime, waiting for third down to, kick a, to get the game-winning field goal. I'd be making that call on second down. I don't yeah, care where the ball not? is. I don't need it in the center. I'm making that call on second down because something goes wrong with the snap. We still have the ball and a chance to win. 
something happens on third down and you need this field goal to tie or to win, well, you're either losing this game or you're going to another overtime where the game's ending in a tie. So it's one of those. Uh, but, I mean, you're not going to fake punt on second down either. No. <laughs> That's I, true. <laughs> I, I, I didn't agree with the call at all. I wouldn't have done it, but that's why I'm sitting here on my phone and not on the sidelines in Winnipeg. Maybe you should be on the sidelines in Winnipeg. No, I don't want to take Michael Shea's job. I'll take I'll take Jones's job because anybody can do it better than him. <laughs> now, uh, O'Shea, is there a guy in the hot seat in Winnipeg? He seems to be one of the most polarizing coaches in the league because – the players love him there. He will mm-hmm. take all the blame for anything uh, that they do. And, and maybe it was because he was a player for so long, and he he knows what the players will like. But getting along with the players isn't what you need to do in this league. So fans, they either seem to love him or hate him in Manitoba. And, man, if they don't get to... The West Final this year. I wonder if there's a coach in a little bit of hot water. Uh, I think the West Final is out of the question for Winnipeg. I think they're going to have to cross over. East uh, Final, <laughs> but the East Final. I mean, that's that's like me fighting with my little sister right now. A West <laughs> team against the East, right? Like it, it's embarrassing how bad the East has looked this year. Granted, Montreal has beat Calgary and Saskatchewan already. Uh, which I don't know if those are outliers or if Montreal's that good or if, well, we know Saskatchewan's that bad or if maybe if Calgary's more of a return to the mean. But I I don't know if you can really blame O'Shea for having Matt Nichols and one one wide receiver and one running back if that's Mike O'Shea's fault. Yeah. Like without Weston Dresser and Andrew Harris, who, who do they have? other than a special teams, really, and a, a defense that gets turnovers. Like, they, they don't score enough points. And I don't know if that, I don't think that's on O'Shea. I think that's on the way the team was built. So I think they need to look a little deeper. Maybe he, he hasn't had a fair chance. Uh, you know, they, they played in the West Semi last year against D.C. And it... Barely lost. They barely lost. And this year just doesn't seem like they can put any ball in the end zone. And when they do... They, the other team just marches right back down and puts one in themselves. So I think I think it goes deeper than just the head coach, as in the way that as for the team is the way the team's playing. I don't think it's on him. I think it's the players that he has. He's doing the best of what he has. I, I equate it to a bullpen in major league where, well, why are you putting this guy in? Well, he's he's who we got. So I mean, you don't have anybody else other than Matt Nichols to play quarterback. Your number one receiver is. And still a really good receiver, but the teams can focus on him and shut him down. Your other receivers aren't in that aren't in that class, and Andrew Harris hasn't been Andrew Harris yet. So there is positive ups. There is a positive upside coming at some point. We just don't know when. And I don't think it's Michael Shea that's going to have to pay for it or should have to. But we both know how owners and GMs look at coaches as the easy way out. So I don't want to say that he's on the hot seat, but they're. If something does happen, that's what will happen, I would think. Jeremiah Johnson is the only player in the CFL to score a touchdown in every single game. 
this season, other than a quarterback, obviously, but he has a nose for the end zone, and he has had it since he had the starting gig for a brief time in Ottawa. So, And he's priced accordingly on TSN CFL Fantasy. The Eskimos have kind of been susceptible to the run. If you can at least get past the defensive line, uh, you can run against the Eskimos because their linebackers are so beat up. So, uh, I I mean, the safe bet is that Johnson is going to score himself a touchdown against Edmonton this week, but Travis Lule is still a value pick on TSN CFL Fantasy and throws for 400 yards again. Is it official? Is this... (laughs) Is this 2011 all over again? My God, I hope so. I love Travis Lule, and I've said it over and over again. If I had to pick one guy in the CFL, it would be Lule. Maybe now it would be Foley by Mitchell. But coming into last year, Travis Lule, he needed a guy. He, he creates plays, and he doesn't have to do it by moving around. He's a pocket passer. But his arm strength is back. He finds open guys. He can throw that ball in the tight spaces. He's got guys that can make plays for him now, too. Uh, if, if he goes over 350, 400 again this year, I think it's safe to say that they might, even if, even sorry, not Jeremiah Johnson, if Jonathan Jennings is healthy, they say you can't lose your job to injury. But if Lule's playing this good, can you really take him out? Well, I, I, Lule's almost playing himself off the team. Like at the trade bait. Well, yeah, and in free agency next year, somebody's look good in green, wouldn't he? (laughs) If he can stay healthy, you have to assume there's going to be a team out there saying, "Hey, Travis, you want to come start for us?" Oh, for sure. You can only compete with a guy for a job for so long before the competition doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, So, I mean, if he stays there. And he's obviously the confident team guy, and he's just there to to win. But if he wants to be a starter again, he's going to have no problem finding a job if he keeps this up. And you're right. It couldn't have happened to a better guy to you know be back and uh, almost on top of the league again because he's he has been hurt you know for such a long time and then so patient and so professional when he, when he ended up holding the clipboard becoming friends with Jonathan Jennings and mentoring the young quarterback it's you couldn't feel better for the guy like you Lule's one of those guys you can't hate you know uh, no he, it's impossible to hate him unless you're a Calgary fan and you just hate everybody for no reason but everybody hates you anyway so i mean it's really 6 of 1 <laughs> Let's talk about those uh, Stampeders. They beat the Riders 27-10, and that first half, it was 17-0 at halftime, and I don't know if I have ever seen uh, a dominating performance from a defensive lineman like that. Charleston Hughes, and I actually saw a couple tweets People wondering. I, I don't even know if he's 100% healthy. He just wanted to come back to show up Derek Dennis, and did he ever the hat trick three sacks and uh, some are saying he had four he just didn't get credit for it but man I, I've never seen a team I, I'm sure you've seen it before but the riders just had the game plan to stop him but then you have Vodders on the other end just 
blowing right through the line as well. They paid so much attention to Hughes that the rest of the line had a lot of space to get through mm-hmm. to Kevin Glenn. It was it was a crazy performance. If this is Charlton Hughes, not at one hundred percent, the league better take notice because the the Riders' O line he made them look foolish, and I don't think it's I don't think the Riders' O line is that bad. I think Charleston Hughes is that good. Like, that was ridiculous in the first half. They couldn't do anything to stop them. And like you said, if they were able to stop them, the other end would, like, it's like there's no other way to put it. It's ridiculous how good he played this week. And if that's not 100%, I'm worried. Yeah. and I mean, he is... Climbing up the ladder of all-time uh, sacks in Calgary, and I'm mm-hmm. already wondering if he is the greatest uh, defensive lineman to play for the Stampeders. He, he might even be top 10 all-time, but he is 33 years old, and you just look, and last year he had 16 sacks. He had 10 in 2015. He already has four this year. The guy, <laughs> he had 18 sacks in 2013. The guy can play, and... <laughs> He really showed what he could do Saturday against the Riders. And, yeah, Derek Dennis, Offensive Lineman of the Year last year. He's not, yeah. you know, some Rider fans already want to cut him because of that. And he owned up to it on Twitter saying, hey, look, Hughes just, <laughs> he made me look like a fool. So <laughs> that's what you get. And I think he looks makes everybody look like a fool if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's for sure. And when you look at Calgary's defense, not just Charleston Hughes, uh, Tommy Campbell, Joe Burnett, Alex Singleton. Micah Johnson. The, the, yeah, this defense is ridiculous. Everybody focuses on Bo Levi Mitchell and Kamar Jordan and Marquay McDaniel. People better start paying attention to this defense because they're only going to get better as the year goes on. Their so, injured list is an all-star team. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I don't know how they keep doing it other than the fact that Huffnagel's cheating. And I know I say that every week, but it's got to be true. Jerome Messam gets 28 carries. Bo is very, I don't know, can you say mediocre? 16 of 28, 253 yards with two scores and, and an interception. He's he very Matt Nichols-esque. But they they just ran the ball, and I mean twenty eight times to mess them. That's going to beat up any defense. Well, did you see? Did you see what Jefferson said before the game? Willie, that Jerome, yeah, that Jerome Messam wasn't that hard to tackle. Well. <laughs> How would that work out, Willie? Like, why are you giving this team bulletin board material? I don't get it. Deron Carter at the start of the game, Jefferson in the days leading up to it. Everybody knows Chris Jones' relationship there when he left. Like, guys, figure it out. You can't do this stuff and expect to win football games in Calgary. This is why they haven't won there in 20 years. <laughs> Have you seen an, uh, any other rivalry that's this one-sided? I mean, Ooh. Oilers and Flames in the 80s. I mean, I guess the Flames, Flames would... Flames in Anaheim. Haven't won there since like 2003. That's true, and that, that's a pretty solid rivalry. Playoffs. That's a pretty solid rivalry. But, yeah. I mean, the Riders would get the best of Calgary when Durant was there in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But during yep. the regular season, the Stamps have owned the Riders. And <laughs> it's pretty one sided right now. <laughs> uh, like, 
you think this could be the week? And then the the offense played like it did this past week, and the, the defense, granted, they only gave up 17 points and a half, but just that ineptitude of the offense in the first quarter was just, oh, my God. And then the defense had a chance to get Calgary sealed twice on their opening drive and kept the drive alive with two penalties. So, like, they had a chance to maybe this game goes differently after those first two drives yeah. and those three challenges in the span of 20 seconds, <laughs> which just added to the great flow of the football game. I, I wonder uh, if the game would have been different if the the Riders would, if, would have been able to shut them down at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and there was the same with uh, Williams. Sam Williams, Sorry. yep. Sam Williams. Uh, the two penalties on the opening drive kept Calgary alive, and they scored points. So that does not help. And then they didn't make any adjustments until halftime on the offensive line to stop the defense. So, but yeah, it, it, it gets frustrating watching Calgary week after week because they're so good. Kamar Jordan, eight catches for 88 yards. Devaris Daniels only did have one catch uh, in that game, and that's. I mean, he's only a year and a few weeks into his CFL career, and that's a quiet one for him. But Kamar Jordan is racking up the catches for the Stampeders. I guess we do need to talk about Kevin Glenn. He eclipses 50,000 yards in the CFL. Six other quarterbacks have done that, and it's basically almost the Mount Rushmore of CFL quarterbacks. Calvillo, Allen, Burris, Ray, McManus, and Lancaster is Kevin Glenn a Hall of Famer? Hot take alert. No. 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 I'm not going to put a guy in the Hall of Fame because he played for so long to rack up these stats. We never talked about Kevin Glenn as the best quarterback in the CFL. He wasn't even in the, in the discussion of being top three when he was good. We're not sorry, not necessarily good when they were when he was on winning team. Fifty thousand yards, yeah, that that's a Hall of Fame number, but he, his career has not been Hall of Fame. Take a look at his touchdowns, interceptions. Probably not that great. How many how many great cups has he won? Because to me, that that's a huge that's a huge stat. If you're going to be if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, you have to be at one point considered the best. I think. You can't just put a guy in because of his num because he had one stat that is granted fifty thousand yards is pretty good, but he was, he's never been the best player, not even on his own team, let alone the league. He's just been around long enough to get these yards. That's all it is to me. Uh, I find it a fascinating argument because I can actually see both sides of it. Uh, having a seventeen-year career is impressive, and mm-hmm. I, I can't really. Think of too many guys that have had a career that long. Uh, I mean, Damon Damon Allen played for you know forever. Henry played forever, but usually it seems to be you know a kicker that lasts for uh, that yeah. long. It it's damn impressive for him to be able to play for that long. And he has every single one of those fifty thousand yards has been grinded out. He's never really been appreciated by any teams. He's never really been just named, hey, you're our guy, you're our guy. You know, we're rolling with you. He's always well, been the guy that comes in when there's an injury or something like that. Look look at Winnipeg in 07 when he broke his arm. Yep. Everybody's like, 
Oh, nobody blamed Dinwiddie for losing the Grey Cup. Everybody was pissed that it was because Kevin Glenn was hurt again. Like, you're going to blame a guy for trying to get an extra yard for first down and he broke his arm? Now it's his fault you lost the Grey Cup? Give me a break. Just cool your debts. Now, if he somehow wins a Grey Cup in the next two or three years and he just has one, does that change your mind? Ugh, probably not. Wow, I... I, I think he deserves to be in. You just look at the names that had 50,000 yards. And not everybody does I, that. I understand that. I understand the yard. But you can't. It's like looking at a pitcher and just looking at strikeouts. Who cares about the ERA and the home runs he gives up and the walks? As long as he's got those strikeouts, you're going to put him in? Well, if it's Nolan Ryan level, probably. <laughs> yeah, but who's going to argue with Nolan Ryan? He'll just punch you in the head 15 times. <laughs> exactly. Maybe Glenn will give you a punch in the head. Uh, Glenn might dislocate a knuckle if he does that. <laughs> at this rate. Let's talk about Monday Night Football. The Argos get by the Red Blacks 27-24. Almost 16,000 people in the stands for Doug Flutie night. And I'd say on a Monday night when the Jays are at home, that has to be a positive in Toronto. Am I right? To a point, uh, let's take a look at this Jays team right now. But they, they still have 39,000 people there. But they they still draw because the tickets are already bought. I do, yeah. Okay, I'll concede that. 16,000 is better than what they have been pulling. You you have to. So there has to be some crossover there. between the teams. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know how much. Like, what, Would the Argos have gotten over twenty? If uh, the Jays weren't at home, I don't know, uh, but I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think, I think sixteen's right around the, as much as you're going to get. And I, I don't. It, man. Toronto, they say it's a sports. It's, it's not a sports town. It's a hockey town. There's no lease on right now. The Jays are god awful. You would think that if you wanted something to do, that the Argos would be the ticket. But there's so much more stuff to do in the summer in Toronto. So much more. With the concerts and festivals and everything that goes on, that the Argos become an afterthought. So something needs to be done to make them more relevant. And once somebody figures that out, this won't be an issue anymore. How long that's going to take, I have no clue. I do think uh, the issues run pretty deep. Uh, we saw it in Regina as well. The riders were mm-hmm. so bad that it wasn't cool to cheer for them. And if, But you could bring your own booze to the game. Yeah, that, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so You still, you still can. It just takes a little creativity. <laughs> so if you... You know, you wore your rider stuff to school or whatever. People would be like, why are you wearing that? But then all of a sudden they got good. It got cool. And like, this rider success has only probably been since 07. Uh, before that, yeah. between 89 and 07, it was some terrible times. There's, there was a break-up appearance in there in the mid-90s where Reggie Slack was at quarterback and they beat the Eskimos, and it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> But no, they got, and then got destroyed by the Argonauts yeah. and Doug Flutie. Yeah, but it was not cool to cheer for the Riders. They need to make it cool to cheer for the Argos like they have the Red Blacks and the Ticats. 
And when they can do that, and I, I think to keep that uh, two for 20 bucks, there was actually quite a bit of people in that section that said, hey, 10 bucks a ticket? Just get them in the yeah. door. I what they, what they need to do with the cheap tickets need to be on the TV side. Yeah, because... Obviously on TV it looks bad. Because the side where the cameras are, it seems like there's a lot more people sitting there. In the shade. Yeah. <laughs> so right? put put the tickets there, get the people there, and uh, it'll look better on TV. And I will say, the, the fans that show up are loud. And the, the ones oh, that I yeah. hear talking online, they're very positive. They're bringing friends to the games, and the friends that go don't have a bad time. They say, hey, this is... This is a pretty damn good time. Hell, even Jeannie Bouchard was at the game on Monday night, and yeah, good for oh, her. Geez. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna crap on her like another website, no. but man, good for her. Yeah, and you know, the more people, the more people that people recognize that go to these games could be a big draw. For example, if the Leafs were to show up during preseason. And I think Marner did show up, you know, at a preseason uh, or a home that, opener. That could be somewhat of a draw if they can get it on social media. These guys are going to be here, yeah. And maybe you got to coincide it with an autograph signing or something. But it's going to get people in the door, and that that's that's the trick. Right? You got to get people in the door. They got to see the product, and maybe they like it, and maybe they don't. Whatever. But the people who do like it, or the people that fall in love with it, are going to keep wanting to come back. And if you make, keep the tickets at a respectful rate, you're going to get people. They're going to want to keep coming back, and eventually they're going to bring people, and then those people might want to keep coming back. And it's a snowball effect. Now you you got to figure out a way to get people in the door. And like I said, it could be Leafs during the preseason. Even if it, you get a couple of Jays players, maybe it's tough because the seasons coincide with each other. Um, but like, like that one, I don't know. I can't remember if it was a team or if it was a league saying the goal is to bring one person who's never been to a football game before. Yeah. And a lot of people did that, and the people they brought were like, I'm coming back. So why? I don't know why it's not happening in Toronto. Maybe it's just the big city and there's so much more to do there in the summer that the Argos aren't necessarily a draw. But this is a, this is a pretty decent football team. People need to, should be watching them, and they're not. But, I mean, once you get people in there and if they can fall in love with it, I think we'll see. It could turn around. I'm not saying the CFL is dead in Toronto. Well, By any means, that's not what I'm saying, but... At some point, something's got to give, and either numbers are going to tank or they've got to shoot way up. Well, when you look at all these other CFL cities, they have a great amateur program. I know Vancouver has mm-hmm. the Thunderbirds, and they're competing for Vanier Cups. Calgary has the Dinos. Uh, Edmonton, I mean, the Golden Bears aren't really there, but they have the Wildcats, they have the Huskies. Saskatchewan has the Huskies, the Rams. Manitoba has the Bisons. Uh, it's McMaster in Hamilton. But in Toronto, university football at York is a joke. Bad. Bad. <laughs> they don't get any funding. So if they, they start there and they start at that level, then you get mm-hmm. people interested in it for life and they just they, they they don't do it at that level so why would they care yeah. later on well and look at what Edmonton does with their 50-50 yep the 50-50 goes to the U of A Golden Bears all now, amateur not, football yeah whether or not it goes to the actual football program or 
the just the athletic department in general. But you're funding a feeder system for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, the Golden Bears have gotten a hell of a lot better in the last three years. They have, yep. Uh, granted, they're in the same conference as the Dinos, which just sucks for anybody involved. <laughs> the Dinos are so good. It's ridiculous. Weird, a Calgary team. A Calgary football team <laughs> just runs roughshod to its league. But anyway, it's a feeder system. and Guys that maybe play at U of A and don't make it to CFL, but then they end up playing in the AFL, which is the Alberta Football League, like you were saying with the Wildcats. Um, you know, it's just people are more engaged in the game that way. And, you know, like you were saying, at, at York, there's no funding. Nobody nobody cares about the football program, so why would, why would they follow where these guys go if you go or, you know, the next level up? Like, what's the point? This, this sucks. How much better can it really be? So I think Maybe they are going to do a little bit better job in the community. I don't know. I don't know if they do or what they do with with U of T and all that stuff. But like you were saying, though, like they, there's no funding there, so there's no feeder system. Look at Calgary; they get a lot of local kids that played for the Dinos because they're there. They, they fund that pro. They help fund that program. These kids want to play football. They come up through the system. They end up getting drafted to the team where they were in the city they were playing. This isn't going to happen in Toronto anytime soon. And I think, like you were saying, that's huge. Tonight, I'm not going to go watch guys. Like my buddy was playing, and he goes and he ends up playing for the Argos. Well, now I'm going to go watch for sure. Yeah. Or I seen this kid play college ball. I'm going to go watch him play. I'm going to watch him play professional. That happens a lot. Yeah, but not in Toronto because, like you said, there's no funding and the, the program's just no good. So, so the Argos do win the game, and I I think it solely has to do with Ottawa's fatigue. Uh, they had what three games in eleven days. Now they have eleven days off. I have to assume that the Red Blacks are going to come back after their bar by firing on all cylinders. I mean, <laughs> they, they have to get Ooh, back in this thing. I don't know about that. Really. Really? You think they're going to stay in the basement of the East? I, I don't necessarily... I'm not necessarily saying stay in the basement. I just don't see them... I don't see them being back to what they were last year. Right away. Okay. You played all this football. You've had no time for practice. Not only 3-11, was it not 4-17? and Yep, yep. You've had... So they basically haven't been able to practice. You know, they got all this time off. Coaching staff probably doesn't want to do too much right now, early on in the days off. Let guys recover before you get the pads back on and start practicing. So then by the time that happens, now you got another game again. As you're getting back in the full swing of things, and it's against Winnipeg. So your offense better figure it out. And if it doesn't, well, then it's going to be another long week because your defense is going to be out on the field a lot. I think they're going to win that game. I think they're going to win that game. I well, no, I, man, I, I just, I, it's not going to be rest. It's going to be rust now. Nah, nah. That's going to, yeah, that's, 
Well, we'll talk about it next week. We'll okay. see what happens with Winnipeg this week, and we'll talk about that next week. Okay. What a game for Anthony Coombs. Eight catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. There's a kid uh, that played for U of M in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And, man, I wonder if he's filling the need that Brandon Whitaker left since he's out because Whitaker was catching a lot of passes. And Anthony Coombs looked great. I, I wonder if he's a nice pick in fantasy against Saskatchewan this week. Somebody has, somebody has to take those catches or those receptions. Uh, and it doesn't hurt for Toronto that he's uh, playing the way he is. Yeah. Uh, with Whitaker out, that's huge. Um, and like you said, you, great pickup for fantasy. Gets targeted a lot, makes a lot of plays out of the backfield. And he's cheap. And he, he will, and he's super cheap. And he he'll, he will line up as a receiver from time to time. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's there's no like. He goes in, ties his shoes, does his job. And what really sucks is when Whitaker comes back and is healthy, does Coombs stay in the lineup? Does he get as many touches? Maybe, maybe not. But Whitaker hasn't been able to stay healthy, so they might just stick with Coombs. You never know. So it's not a bad pickup for a cheap running back if you want to load up on receivers. Let's make our picks fast. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. Montreal is in Winnipeg tonight. Who do you got? I have Montreal. Wow. It's up to you and up to me and up to all of us. It is the box. Are you going Montreal because they beat Saskatchewan and Calgary for the West so far? No, that's not the reason. I'm going because Winnipeg gets up a lot of points at home. Okay, I am going Winnipeg. I just think they need this win to stay in the race in the Western Division. Here's Jet Set Satellite. It's the game of the week, Friday Night Football, Eskies and Lions. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, both teams, I guess, have won four in a row. Who are you going with? The British Columbia Lions. Ooh. All right, why? Lule? Uh, they've scored over 30 points a game on the road. And Edmonton at home has only scored 23, averaging a bit. So I'm just going strictly based on, well, Lule does have a lot to do with that, I guess, <laughs> with the points they've scored. So <laughs> it's, I'm just going by the numbers, and I'm taking BC. And Edmonton went into BC in week uh, one. one. Week one and beat one there. I think BC returns a favor this week in Edmonton. Yeah, I think it's tough to beat a team twice in a row. But, man, the, the Eskimos just keep finding ways 
to win. And uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm going Eskies. I think I'll just call that the Commonwealth Stadium factor uh, for the Eskimos. Saturday, it is a doubleheader. It starts in Regina. The Argos are in town. Where are you going here? The Rough Riders. Me too. Ooh, weird. Because, like I said earlier, the the three injuries on defense in Toronto, even if one or Mm -hmm. two of them play, they are still banged up. They played on Monday. If the Riders don't win this one, I see maybe changes. If not changes, a lot of pitchforks are going to be coming out (laughs) at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, we have to feature... Streetheart Kenny Shields, born in Nokomis, mm. Saskatchewan, passed away last Friday, heart failure, and he ended up making his home in Winnipeg with Streetheart there. But it's Streetheart for the Riders. And then Hamilton walks into Calgary <laughs> to take and leaves on. with their tail tucked between their legs. Yeah, you're going Stampeders too. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. Sweet, sweet city woman, on the banjo and me, we got a feel for singing. Are you laughing just because I'm playing that song? Oh, I love the Stampeders. <laughs> Not the team. Not the team. Oh, I have to tell a story about that song because it's so funny. I'll make it quick. Okay, okay. We were living in our old house. We were living in our old house behind Cheers in Lloydminster. In Lloyd, and I got home from work, and I was getting. I'm going to the bar for supper, and <laughs> I just got in. I just got home from out of town. I had a week, a week off and going to get really messed up, right? <laughs> Pop out of the shower. All my clean laundry's in the laundry basket in the living room. We had a roommate who I didn't know was home at the time. I come out of the shower. I had the stereo cranking that song on, singing with my socks on and just just underwear and my socks on pulled all the way up, of course. <laughs> my only pair of clean socks. Looking for my jeans and the shirt I was going to wear. And I turn around. I find myself. I turn around. And she's standing in the hallway like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? That's a classic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's episode 73 of the Two It Out CFL podcast. Follow Brazilian Ty on Twitter at Brazilian underscore Ty. I'm at Travis underscore Curra, C-U-R-R-A-H in the podcast. At Two It Out CFL on Facebook and Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.